Hey folks, I am Ryan Goodman and you are listening to the Agriculture Proud Podcast. Join the conversation and find all my content at agricultureproud.com. Hey folks, welcome to episode two of the Agriculture Proud Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Goodman, coming to you from a very warm Helena, Montana. Actually, in Montana, I think we've been warmer than parts of Florida uh, this week. We are going through our winter thaw. I've been putting in some miles for my marathon training in the mud, but no complaints here about being able to run in shorts in the middle of February. We can have some pretty rough winters. And before I forget, uh, be sure to catch all my content and past episodes of the podcast at agricultureproud.com. Shoot me a tweet, uh, and you can find me on social media at agproudryan. Or be sure to join the I Am Agriculture Proud Facebook group uh, for some great conversations, all things agriculture, all during the week. Uh, That's I Am Agriculture Proud on Facebook. Um, Today's interview is uh, something special. Uh, So when you think of Montana uh, in the winter, you think of long nights, short days, cold, lots of snow. You don't think about grazing your livestock year-round. And some ranchers doing it having not fed a bell of hay in years. And that was the topic of the Montana Winter Grazing Seminar that I went to earlier this month in Missoula. And several great presentations, some great speakers, and some ranchers giving examples of how they're managing forages on their operations in the Northwest in a cold climate, and being able to do so and not feeding a lot of hay. And that's something you don't always get. So check out that article I posted on agricultureproud.com earlier in February, and uh, definitely, definitely take a look at that. Well, today's interview is Race King. He manages the Lassance Ranch in Dillon, Montana. Uh, and Race, he, uh, I got a lot of respect for the guy. He and his family do great things. And as is the case with many ranchers in the region, every time I sit down with this guy, I learn something new. And so definitely something great and glad to have him on the podcast and glad he took some time to sit down with me. Uh, Race uh, manages 88,000 acres in southwest Montana. And if you've ever been there, it's very mountainous. Um, there's lots of wildlife and it's very dry. And so just as the climate environment offers a lot of challenges for ranchers working in the region. So I talked to, to race about some of those things to talk to him about, uh, sustainability, conservation, uh, working with wildlife and coexisting with them. Um, and, and being able to work on public lands, you know, BLM Bureau of Land Management has been in the news lately with some activity in Oregon. And I asked Grace about what is it like to work with public officials, public land officials, uh, in this kind of environment and uh, how does how does that impact his ranch I also talked to him a little bit about brucellosis a disease that much of the cattle business um, thinks of in the past but here in the greater Yellowstone area it's very much a, a current concern uh, for ranchers and economic impact on their operations so race has some insight on that and the Lassance ranch raises natural beef and sells to some retailers and grocers nationwide that are looking for that that special product and race has some interesting insight to that not only is he you know raising some grass-fed non-hormone treated cattle um, but he's also had a lot of interaction with beef customers and he's got a great story to share with us today about a vegan at the meat counter in san francisco california and i think think that you'll enjoy that and i was sitting in on one of race's uh, presentations and he had a neat quote to share it's progress is made from the insight of those outside the box and I think you'll enjoy how Race explains that, how that influences his vision um, and as he progresses and tries to manage the ranch for the future and adapt to new environments. And I think you'll uh, you'll appreciate that. So you can find the Lassance Ranch, Lassance Ranch, Montana.com. And uh, be sure to shoot me a tweet, AgProudRyan. Uh, let me know what you think. And stay tuned after the interview, and we'll recap some of the things that 
the race has to say. And so uh, without further ado, here's the interview with Race King from Dillon, Montana. All right, now I'm here with uh, Race King. He's a rancher out of Dillon, Montana at the LaSance Montana Ranch. And thanks for being with me today, Race. It's my pleasure. All right, so you've kind of um, you've you've got a little different operation in Dillon that I've got to visit uh, late last year in 2015, and, and definitely some some unique aspects there. Can you give us a, a brief overview of, of the ranching operation and how your family is involved? You bet. You know, first of all, the ranch is owned by a gentleman named William Kriegel and his family. Um, it's an 88,000 acre ranch, basically in one block. So, real unique opportunity to to work on a ranch that has great resources unique challenges, and, um, you know, and some wildlife to boot. And you're in a very dry area there mm -hmm. in Dillon um, with some, some fantastic land that's higher up. It's BLM land, mm -hmm. um, so in a very dry climate, and so that brings with it some challenges. You bet. Yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously the majority of that land is range ground, and uh, what we've come to, you know, be fairly successful managing it is with some high stocking densities for relatively short periods and long, you know, and long rest. So we've been real successful doing that. And then we, the balance of our ground that's irrigated, we, we do a very intensive, you know, managed intensive grazing, you know, program through it. And you graze uh, quite a few cattle underneath pivots. That's correct. And um, we've actually try not to put up any more hay than we have to. Um, we look at haying as a pasture management tool and, and we found that, um, we can be very profitable raising, you know, stalker cattle under these pivots, you know, using a lot of electric fence. And you're grazing your cattle year-round. How long did you say it had been since you fed a bell of hay? Yeah, our mature cows, you know, the, the mature cows have been since 2006, since they had a bell of hay. So that's, uh, that's something that when you think of, a lot of people think of Montana, it's cold and a lot of snow, but you've been able to, uh, to manage that and stockpile some grass and and make that work for year-round grazing. That's correct. You know, I mean, obviously the winter grass in our area is very low quality. So, um, you know, we have to match that with the cow's nutritional needs. And, and you know, and to be able to do that, it was key that we back our calving dates up and, you know, calve a little bit closer to green grass so that um, that cow really just has to maintain on that low-quality forage. And we do add, have to add some, you know, winter supplement, but in the form of a, you know, a protein-type supplement. And you, uh, you utilize quite a bit of BLM ground. That's correct. And uh, so what's been the experience in, in kind of working with, you know, federal government employees? I know it's been in the news quite a bit yeah. recently. You know, we've, you know, we've got a you know, fortunate situation, I think. You know, we've got uh, good people in our local field office that, you know, seem to be really supportive of a lot of the philosophies we have, which is, you know, high stocking densities for short durations. I think we're seeing, you know, progress made in the resource, and um, you know we have a unique opportunity as well. Most of almost all of our pastures that have, you know, BLM or state leases on, uh, we have private land, you know, intermixed with that. So it does allow us a little greater flexibility. And on uh, on a recent to visit to the ranch, I, you took us up in the mountains and and we saw some some elk that were calving, yeah. uh, pretty late. And and for a lot of people across the country, you're brucellosis is a thing that is kind of in the past and a lot of people don't realize that here in Montana we have to deal with with brucellosis testing and how to interact with wildlife there so what are some challenges that come along with that well just like you know all of us here we love we love wildlife and uh, you know we're 
we're blessed to have a lot of different species but some of them do come with some challenges at times you know with predators and you know elk specifically um, we do we do live inside the designated surveillance area for brucellosis and uh, we've got to limit our interaction with those elk and our cattle especially during the critical time between the 15th of January and the 15th of June and um, obviously you know we need to work with our sportsmen and uh, you know we need to start seeing even greater harvest levels on that herd because it is above management objectives and and work with our vision game um, we've got a good relationship I think with most of those folks and uh, you know it's that'll be key to solving and making any process progress there you go and we've we've been able to avoid uh, a lot of brucellosis problems through proper management um, but for ranchers like yourself what um, you know, we hear a lot about brucellosis. What are what are some of the threats of, of concern about brucellosis to ranchers like yourself? Well, obviously, we, we think about it every year. I mean, you know, as we as we want to ship any animals that are sexually intact, you know, we go through the the bleeding, and um, you know, while you're waiting around for your negative test, you always wonder what if, and uh, you know, so that's a real risk. You know, the quarantine and the economic things that go along with that could be, you know, could be potentially you know fairly devastating. So, you know, obviously the threat is real. Um, you know, these elk have, you know, I don't know exactly, I can't remember exactly what their their rate is, but there's there's definitely a certain percentage of the elk in our area that are carrying brucellosis, and they have the potential to spread that disease, you know, to our livestock and potentially to, you know, humans as well. But that risk probably is very low. And you've been able to, you know, to, to, to manage and coexist um, yep. with wildlife. And so um, I think that that's something that, we often get criticized for, but not always a story that makes the headlines that we do quite a bit to, to work with them. Yeah, I mean, we like we like having some wildlife. We like a balance, you know. We need you know we need healthy populations of kind of all the species, but they all need to be within check. And um, you know, like I said, they add they add a lot of value to our, our ranch, you know, the value of it itself, and uh, you know, into our lifestyle. So it's important, but we still have to run our business. You've got uh, a unique riparian area right and in, in a little bit higher elevation and that's uh important for for a fish species correct is that correct so what's a little bit about that and how you've been able to work to to preserve that area you know obviously you know we have to work with you know within the management objective and you know keep the keep the proper stubble height you know and graze that at a time when you know we're you know we're aware of the of the issues with those riparian areas and and we just gotta you know we just have to manage it for sure. So, um, switching gears a little bit. Um, so you've you've got a special operation. You've you've devised kind of a marketing area with your cattle, um, where you've had the experience and opportunity to work with our end consumer, mm -hmm. and some different restaurant chains. And so, uh, how has that experience been for you? It it is really satisfying to um, to get to spend some time with any of our end consumers. Um, they bring a unique perspective, and they have a lot of questions about what we do and how we do it and uh, I think it's you know really kind of opens your mind a little bit you know sometimes they ask those questions that might seem somewhat naive to a producer but um, mainly really you know why do you do you know this and it you know really gives you an opportunity to sit back and and ask yourself why do we do that and because there are a few things that we've been able to eliminate from our our operation just because we really couldn't answer that question why do we do that and, uh, and so that's good. At the same time, we get a great opportunity to show why we do, you know, the things that are really important in our day-to-day -day management and 
why the traditions have passed down from gener generations on animal husbandry and you know and all of these things and why you know why it's important that we have a full toolbox when we when we go out there and you know need to take care of animals so what's a uh, what's a moment or an opportunity that really kind of sticks out with you or sticks out to you that you've been when you were engaging with an end consumer or visitor to the ranch yeah I had an opportunity um, several years ago to um, to be doing some demos in the San Francisco Bay Area at some stores and had a consumer come up and, and watched, you know, a slide presentation that we had going on in the ranch and how we did some things. And obviously we were, you know, we were cooking and um, serving a beef product. And she could tell she had some questions, but she was really hesitant. And um, I, I offered a sample and she told me that she had chosen several years before that not to eat beef. And I go, you know, that's fine. She was vegetarian, and and uh, we were both polite. But in, within about three minutes, she showed up with her two children, and served them the product. And it really got a really interesting conversation going. And I think what I learned from that was that that there is a lot of misinformation out there, and um, I think people really do want to know why we do certain things on the ranch, production practices. More often than that, they just want to know we care and want to know a little bit about our operations. And I think anytime we have the opportunity to reach out and, and um, talk to those end consumers, I think we need to take that opportunity. There you go. Uh, in, in a presentation that you were making on just sharing some of the techniques that you'd implemented on the ranch, you mentioned um, a statement to the effect that progress is made from insight of those that are outside the box. And so what's, uh, what's, what's kind of behind that? that sentiment and what's something that you may have learned from someone outside sure. our box well obviously we learn a lot from um, you know from visitors when they come to the ranch and we have an opportunity to to show them what we do they have questions and and we learn a lot of their insight and what they're thinking you know about certain practices that we have but um, you know really you know I I'm working for an owner that really had never that had never owned livestock before he purchased this ranch you know in 2000 and um, as we looked at the books and our operation, um, you know, had a different perspective, you know, and questioned, you know, where our expenses were high and low, and and we've been able to make some huge progress in our operation simply because he didn't have a preconceived notion on how we should be doing business, and and that was, you know, ultimately those have been some major changes that we've made that have really helped us, you know, with profitability. So, so I really embrace that, and and I think we need to to um, to really listen to to those that maybe are from outside our industry that have a lot to share with us. Yeah, it never hurts to to have an open ear and get exactly. to learn from others. Exactly. There you go. So, and and finally, you know, you're you're pretty involved in in the ranching community, not only locally uh, and state, but nationally. And um, what why is that important to you? And what advice would you have to other ranchers that maybe questioning the, the need to be involved you know this i love this industry you know i love what we do and i love the opportunity to be able to work with my family and this industry just you know like i said it means everything to me and so it's an opportunity i serve because it's an opportunity for me to give back and i learn so much as i'm doing that you know i get so much in return that you know i think everyone needs to take advantage of that and you know, there's a lot of work to be done. We all need to, to get involved in promoting our product and, and sharing what, you know, our real story is that, you know, we need every, we need every mouth and 
and we need every year. So. Well, for sure, for sure. Well, thank you, Race. I appreciate it. Um, and just briefly, can you let people know where they can find uh, your ranch uh, and, and their story online? Yeah, the ranch is Lasance, Montana, and our website is just that, lasancemontana.com. All right. Well, thank you, Race. I appreciate it. Thank you. Boy, let me tell you, I was sitting there listening to that, and uh, and Race has a lot of good things to share. I hope you really enjoyed that. He covered a lot of topics uh, there in, in a very short amount of time, but uh, I won't rehash a lot of them. But uh, but just kind of touch on, you know, he talked a lot about his grazing practices and how he's able to to plan that out, even in a harsh environment like Southwest Montana, to be able to to graze his cattle year round. And I think that that's, you know, we could take pieces of that. Not everybody is is an ability to have the manpower to, to, to do that or uh, to be able to, to not feed hay uh, parts of the year, but definitely pieces that we can all take and adapt to our operations. And and then he talked a little bit about uh, operating on public lands, whether that was working with the BLM officials, um, working with wildlife, and the challenges that come with brucellosis and that disease that still um, you know affects ranchers in the greater Yellowstone area. Uh, and I hope, if you don't know much about that, that you'll take time to go look up a little bit more about brucellosis. Um, and, and I'll include a link here in the show notes to be able to, uh, to share a little bit more information about that and, and how it really does impact ranchers in the Yellowstone area. Um, and then Race talked a little bit about his conservation work, um, you know, with wildlife, making sure he coexists with that. I, he didn't quite talk about that enough. Uh, you know, he's got lots and lots of things to share and he's done a lot of great work. Um, and, uh, and it's amazing to be able to see. I hope that you take a look at some of the videos on the Lausance website, um, and, and be able to, to see what some of the work is that they've done, the, the attention and focus that they've had on managing their land. Um, and then, Hey, the story about, uh, about meeting a vegan at the meat counter in San Francisco, not you know, something that we all get to experience, but I, I definitely applaud Race for taking the opportunities that he has had uh, to go out and, and meet with consumers, listen to their questions, and not just listen to their questions in order to answer them and give them education, but to say and reflect, how can I, you know, address this in my management? Uh, this is a concern. How can I take this back to the ranch and, and be able to, to utilize that? And I think that we all need to maybe think a little bit more about that instead of trying to educate, which is such a dirty word when you're talking to food consumers. Um, you know, instead of doing that, say, all right, this is a concern. Is there something in my operation that I can do to adapt um, to address this? Uh, is it a concern? And so, you know, some pretty pretty smart stuff right there. And then leadership, being involved. Um, you know, I can't say enough for it. I met met Race while he was on the board of directors of the Montana Stock Growers Association during my time working there and, and a great guy and, and great input on lots of things. He's a pretty quiet guy, uh, but you get to know him. He, he's, he's good for, for a few jokes. You got to be careful when he starts telling you stories. Um, well, Hey, I'll include a lot of this in the show notes, visit agricultureproud.com, uh, to catch up and, uh, go find the lasancemontana.com to find the Lasance Ranch and, and learn a little bit about their stories as well. So uh, I've got some great interviews, some more ranchers coming up, uh, and I hope that you enjoyed that. If you've got any suggestions, uh, topics for future shows, uh, be sure to hit me up. It's agricultureproud.com. 